2: Yes, Pickens jacket. Yes. Now live from the Whiskey Sixty One Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are
0: listening to
2: Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bow. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio
0: at ESPN One Hundred Five Point Nine. The Soul.
2: Oh, good morning. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN. Presented by the uh, Bacon Appetizer. Let's go with the porterhouse and some bacon-wrapped shrimp. Kessler Prime and the Renaissance pair it with a long-branch bourbon. Old-fashioned. Or just a big rock. KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. Woo! What a week! They say what a week that is for sure. Blake Scott is with me. I uh, I finished ahead of Blake in the Out of Bounds
1: Bracket Challenge. We had uh, two people tie for the dub. They both picked UConn. What? Uh, So there were three. From what I can tell, there are only three people that picked UConn. Okay. They finished at the top because picking the the champion gets you 320 points. Um Oh. Wow. Scooty car picked Yukon. He finished 3rd with 1010 points. And Dunny and our own intern Jason tied with 1040 points and they also both picked Yukon. Okay. Scooty car texts the show. I know I is he Scooty or Scotty? Well, uh, on here the name is Scooty Carr. I'm yeah. just referencing. Okay, I only reference the bracket name because that's the official. You know, that's what they entered as. So, I, I it is Scotty Carr, but that his his name on here is Scooty Carr. So I, I don't, I've never met him, but I know who that is. And then obviously I know who Jason is. I do not know who Dunny is. So Dunny, if you uh, obviously know, you tied for first. need to text us on the Ag Up Equipment text line. Ah. 601-885-3776. Okay. Easy. You mentioned best sporting event in the world. Well, it's Masters Week, and that's always up in the argument.
2: So, for me, it's the best sporting event I've ever attended. And that includes the Final Four, the Super Bowl, the National Championship, college football, College World Series, is the NFL draft a sporting event?
1: I would I would put it there. Yes. Okay, uh,
2: that may have been the most fun. Well, no, but the Masters trumps. So the Masters, I say it every year since I've been, mm. is even better than all the people who you know that have been tell you about.
1: Yeah, it, it seems to be the most exclusive of all those things you just but mentioned.
2: It's, it's funny. I think the one of the coolest things about it is everybody has to watch the tournament the same way, the same way. Yes.
1: Once you now get are, a,
2: access to the clubhouse, that's a different level renting homes around the, I get, I, I get all that. Do you Cor- see what they Corporations come in. Yeah. I mean, I look, people are whining and dining people all week and, and it's, that's awesome. And I think that's cool. Um, you know, we met all sorts of people roaming around that day. Uh, for those that do run a house and fly clients in, that doesn't get any better. Um, as far as you know, being in that space. So yeah, but the bottom line is, you have to if if a billionaire wants to watch it on on the course, correct. He has to watch it just like yes. us. Just next to you with the same or, $2 per minute cheese sandwich. It's kind of an NFL star thing too because they are not playing, okay? Or practicing, and they can go to this event. You could tell. Yeah, yeah. Every uh, MLB players are out. Yep. NBA players are out. Yeah. Uh, there's some others, you know, that are out. But NFL players
1: can go to this tournament. Well, yeah, it feels like... NFL players play a lot of golf in general. I feel like there's a lot of NFL players that play golf. Sure. Uh, The Masters is is cool. I think part of what makes it magical, which is a rare use word for sporting events, but I do think that there is some uh, mythical magic behind Augusta National. It's because they've kept it as close to traditionally original as possible. Have they made it longer, sure. Have they adjusted some things to make it harder, yes. But the course is relatively the same as it was 100 years ago. The environment is the same as it was 100 years ago. They've limited technology. They've limited certain growth. They maintain this environment of pristine tradition, and that's unique. The Super Bowl has become commercialized to an extent that it's almost unbearable to go to. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like it's such a commercial event. It's not even a football game at right. this point. The best part of the Super Bowl is
2: um the Thursday, Friday night. <laughs> the parties.
1: parties. Yeah. I mean So <laughs> now
2: the the Masters um LinkedIn number thirteen. Mm-hmm. And that's the big you know, that's some of the big discussion this week. Uh and they bought more real estate around the course, uh, which makes sense. And the whole Lib PGA thing uh is is a fun topic for media because it, it gets the pe like it gets the players all hot and bothered. Yeah. yeah. And Brandel Chambly on the golf channel yeah. and and mm-hmm. and it's funny when he I think he does a magnificent job, but it's real funny when he gets really upset and yeah. and angry about Lib. And then like Freddie Couples kind of walk back what he's been saying yesterday. Um you know, the thing to do was to throw all the Lib players under the bus and trash them, and he didn't do... He he said, no, 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 I like X, Y, and Z players, and, you know, I don't agree with the Lib tour, but, you know, they're my friends, blah, 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 you know, that type of deal.
1: Yeah, I I think the Masters is just such a unique experience that, you know, you have characters, and we build it up to be such a... Monumental occurrence, and it's the first event of the year. It's unlike any other sport where the biggest major, arguably, is the first one, right? The biggest event. The Super Bowl is the ultimate event. The World Series is the ultimate event. The you know the the college playoff. It's the it's the end of the year. The Masters is the beginning of the golf. Event. It really it's is. The, it's the Open to the season. I mean, even the Kentucky Derby is one of the you know you don't start with the best one usually, and so the masters you're starting with the best and it's best. it's on the same course that's what i'm saying it's tradition you you step out they there. they rotate and, the others and you can you can see nicholas and you can see hogan and you can see ghosts of greatness past because Ooh, that, they've really never changed anything that was pretty amazing yeah I, but that's what makes, feel even better that's what makes golf fun is they they've the Masters is unique in that it stayed the same. And you can be 15
2: feet away from Tiger Woods, which is pretty amazing. Correct. Like when I was there that day and early on, Rory yeah. teed off and, and I was from me to
1: you to Rory. Yeah, 20 feet. Yeah. That's that's yeah. just a different deal. Well, you're next to like Derek Jeter because he's retired and he's just there to watch the master. You know what I mean? Like right. you're, you're like watching Tiger Woods next to Derek Jeter, you know? I mean, it's just dumb stuff. <laughs> Here's like that. what
2: else I can tell you if there is a celebrity on the course, you know not to Oh, correct.
1: You, I 100% yeah. agree. Yeah.
2: You know not. And to I love
1: that they do uh, the, uh, act up. The same or bother them. Yeah, they do the same sandwiches, the same little wrappers like Yeah. It's crazy. All that
2: stuff is even as cool as they say it is. Yeah. I mean, it's usually not cool going to the concession stand. And it is at the Masters. Yeah. I mean, when you go get a beer, you're like,
1: this is awesome. Yeah. It's why some people are worried about college football, because they're losing the tradition. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Look, somebody's just... I mean... I don't think that... You can't can't lose the tradition of college football.
2: I don't think think that's the case the out of bounds show uh it's national four by four day and that is brought to you by rick's pro truck when you pick up that uh, truck jeep suv baby rick's pro truck in glugstat ricksprotruck.com atelier at eight thirty. You know, we had a hell of a debate yesterday on meet and threes. And I tweeted this out at Bo Bounds. Brought to you by Superior Foundation. For all your foundation repairs, superior.ms. I tweeted this out and uh, Jason Perigen was listening. And he was coming back from Hogs for a Cause in New Orleans. And he's a big-time pit master and all that. And I told y'all he cooked for us a couple of weeks ago in that uh, Duty Noble Field, Leftfield Lounge, put on an absolute clinic, culinary mecca of collegiate athletics, not close. And he's cooking for ZZ Top in the next couple of weeks, which I think is cool. Uh, I would be starstruck around ZZ Top. And... He asked, when we were talking about the sides, meat and threes, he sent me a pick of bacon-wrapped Italian sausage and three-cheese bacon mac. And he asked the question, is this a side or a meat? Bacon-wrapped Italian sausage, three-cheese bacon mac. You can see it on my Twitter feed, at Bo Bounds. Is this a side or
1: a meat? Uh, well, let me phrase it like this, because this is ironically chicken cordon bleu day. Which chicken is cordon terrible. Chicken cordon bleu is a, is a meat, right? It would be an entree. It yes. would not be a side. Okay? Yeah. Well, it's meat that's wrapped. It's meat wrapping cheese. And, and, and what, what what's on is. it? Ranch dressing? No, it's not. I don't think it's ranch dressing. Uh, uh, it's blue cheese, right? That's the whole thing. Oh, is thing. it blue yeah, cheese? It's chicken no. cordon bleu. Is it really? That's the blue part.
2: I didn't know. Okay. 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 Yeah, cuz they make it about 49 different ways. It's like chicken ways.
1: ham and cheese that wrapped up into a roll, right?
2: Well, I think the first time I had it in like 1986 or something, and I never had it again. Yeah, chicken ham and uh, cheese. Yeah. Okay. Chicken ham and cheese. Flattened
1: chicken breast wrapped around ham. Okay. Uh or Canadian bacon and they okay. use oh no, they use Swiss or Gruyere as yeah, the cheese. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was Blue cheese. actually refers to
2: blue ribbon. My mom makes a great blue cheese Interesting. dressing uh, homemade. So but
1: The reference of all that is this is a piece of sausage that is wrapped, that, that encompasses a ball of macaroni and cheese and then is wrapped in bacon. That's an entree. That's a meat. Okay. Uh, that's up for
2: debate. So let's go to the Ag Up Equipment text line. 601-885-3776. I posted the uh, the pick on Twitter, at Bo Bounds. I'm also going to post it on Whiskey61.com during the break because Jason sent me a bunch of really cool picks from uh, Hogs for the Cause down in New Orleans. Uh, so Blake
1: says that is an entree. It it, it Well, it's a meat, I guess. You could serve, because they're because small. Because
2: we, we, we've shifted kind of, our side game has gone... It, you know, in 1987, it would have definitely been the meat. Yeah. Okay. Today, we have, because the culinary world is so wide open,
1: it is it is a fun debate. Uh, I think entree might not be the correct word. Meat is the right word because it could you could serve these as an appetizer plate if you had multiple. Like, their size appears to be slightly bigger than a meatball. It's going to be not quite as big as, like, a... Um, they look smaller than a Twinkie, right? In terms of length. So I would think if you had like four or five on a plate, that would be an appetizer. Or maybe you got like two of them with a couple sides. That could be like an entree, but it's a meat option. Meat option. Yeah, because it's not a, I I don't think, I'm trying to think of like what I would order where that would be the side. That's a huge piece of sausage and bacon. Are you kidding me? Uh, That's not really a side. I don't see that as a side. I, I think you could be wrong. But, uh, but
2: I like the discussion. I
1: have in other areas. I don't think so on this one. Okay. Well. That's a, that's a meat option. Here's
2: what else he said. Three cheese smoked bacon mac, brisket, and black eyed peas, cornbread, butter beans, and bacon fat onions. Bacon fat onions. Now, bacon fat onions sound amazing. Especially with the bacon, Tito's Vodka Bloody fat Mary.
1: onions. I think we should make it a rule where you have to cook everything in bacon fat. Oh, I'm with of, you. Just the new modern. Okay. I actually, just got some fresh okra and I'm cooking it in bacon fat.
2: How about brisket and black-eyed peas? That sounds wonderful. I mean, you can do bacon. Um, you know, Wendy does that, but brisket and black-eyed peas.
1: I'm a I'm a bat. black-eyed peas is one of those interesting things that I did not like growing up that I eat I like now. Okay, you did I'll not like, eat no. I didn't, I didn't I eat tomatoes growing up. I still don't. I love them. I'll eat tomato byproducts. I mean, I,
2: I love tomatoes just sliced, uh, just to eat with some pepper, uh, or maybe like, what am I like some love rub from Jones EQ. That's perfect on, on some tomatoes. Love it on a Sam, like bacon, tomato, you know, I don't do mayonnaise, but bacon, Mm. tomato, you can even add something else. Dude, that's, that used to
1: be... More bacon. Is that like the, the quintessential Southern, like, yes, mayo, tomato, bacon, lettuce, like that's, that's the like Southern sandwich right there. I feel like people grew up like that was... I think there's two. Well, all right, so the... BLT, BLT, yeah, with mayonnaise, with, with the mayo. That's it. Pimento cheese. Who? You know, I don't. Ever, I'm not. I, I don't. That's funny. I don't crave pimento cheese. Uh, do you eat it as a sandwich or as a dip? I'm a. I like it as a dip. Like, okay. On chips. I will and tell
2: you this. I had all the sandwiches at the Masters. Was that
1: the best one? I... Dude, that chicken salad sandwich. The looks chicken fire. salad, I think, was. I love chicken salad if it's done right.
2: Well, it could be just because you're in that venue and on that stage, and, and your your adrenaline and endorphins are are just correct. You know, you're you're at what is arguably the coolest sporting event in the world. So, I mean, I think I think the blue moon was better, but but it is cool to go up there and, and spend three bucks on sandwiches or two. I don't remember what it was, but it's not a lot. Right when we got there, one of our buddies went. He had been before. Well, several on the trip had been a bunch. Uh, he went to the concession stand and bought us like 10 sandwiches. And I went, oh, man, I owe you. He went, no, dude, it cost me $27. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> now, it, you yeah. know, in an NBA game or an NFL game, a thing, yeah. a,
1: na- a thing of nachos is $27. Yeah. No, you're right. That's part of the tradition. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Uh Boy. Pimento cheese. that's not my that's not my but I love I just ate some last night on some crackers. Is the irony of that. Really? Yeah, pimento cheese and crackers. It's a good little uh snack, man. Just traditional, just little pimento cheese I don't and ever t- where you just picked it up from the store? Yeah, I had, so I had it from like uh my disc golf weekend. It's a good little snack. <laughs> what? I had leftover pimento cheese. <laughs> you bought pimento cheese last weekend? Not like I uh, like 4 days ago. Okay. Yeah. Just randomly and starving? No, I, I wanted a snack. So you know we
2: like. So made, they have an egg salad sandwich too. Ooh. Mm-mm. That believe it or not, I know I don't like wake up thinking egg salad. I want an egg Ugh. salad sandwich, Ugh. but it's so I tried all of them. I guess you have to. Well, we were there from nine a.m. to six, and they're not big sandwiches, maybe? right? I mean, it was a long day. The we had beers, um, you know, we had cigars. It was it was yeah. So you got pimento cheese, egg salad. You know, so on. Oh, I had the ham and cheese on rye. I, I didn't think that was necessarily amazing, but it wasn't bad. Out of bounds, ESPN 1059, The Zone. Uh, our Masters discussion brought to you by Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoors and Edwin Watts Golf Shop on County Line Road. You ready to talk NFL with Mike Natillier? Absolutely. We An- only got about a thousand different scenarios An- that can play out. Yeah, Anthony Richardson, number one, right? Good grief. That's been worn out. Hey, maybe somebody can talk about his vertical leap some more because that translates into Someone fi- wins in the NFL. Someone finally wrote an article. I mean, article. at the quarterback
1: yeah. position. Someone finally wrote an article that said some NFL scouts don't see Anthony Richardson and Will Levis as first-rounders. And I was like, oh, wow. They, I mean, <laughs> break, breaking news. Holy
2: smokes. The Out of Bounds show, Speaking of Smokes, is brought to you by Havana Smoke Shop. Uh, At the Reservoir, premium cigars for your master's weekend at Havana Smoke Shop. And in Jackson, for your master's cigar, Havana Smoke Shop. Mike D, Mike D'Italia, straight out of New
0: Orleans. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped.
2: Our SEC insider hit this morning, mixed in with some NFL draft, is brought to you by Sound, 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 and Communications. Sound and Communications, SoundcomAV.com. We welcome in Mike Dettelier, WWL Radio TV, New Orleans. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. And Mike D., here we are a few weeks away from the NFL draft, and this thing is uh, picked apart every year, and we all have a blast with it. You've been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, what was a worst pick for the Saints, Russell Erksleben or Ricky Williams?
0: Oh, Ricky Williams was a productive player in the NFL, a real good one. Now, they gave up a ton to get him, but uh, it was Erksleben. Um, and, uh, I would say probably in, um, if you look back from late seventies until now, the pick of Jonathan Sullivan was the worst. Jonathan did nothing. I mean, really Who, didn't uh, tell me about it. He him. sort of ate it, sort of ate his way out of the league. Uh, once, yeah, I think once he got paid, that was it. <laughs> The guy you saw at Georgia you didn't see again. He he had no motivation, um you know, just <laughs> nothing, uh so to speak, at all. And so Russell kicked a little while in the league, but uh Sullivan did virtually nothing. Really really didn't. And uh they they were sometimes you make that misevaluation of a player once Fame and fortune hits and back then, man, when you were a high first round pick, uh, that was a ton of money given to you. It's not slotted like it is today. Uh, really where the second contract is much bigger than the first, uh, back then, man, a lot of times that first contract is just enormous. So. Yeah, in in the long run, that, that Irk Slavin-Sullivan debate would go on. But Ricky, uh, you gave up a ton for Ricky. But if you look at Ricky's numbers, <laughs> man, Ricky produced in the NFL. Mm. Really, really did. Now, he was not the superstar uh, that we had saw at Texas, but he was a productive NFL player and a oh, good one.
2: Yeah, in the Dolphins, uh, he had he a heck of a run. He was a damn
0: good one. Yeah. Really was. Uh, so... He, he was just sort of weird. Uh, it was just his personality. He was always sort of like that. Uh, he sort of danced to the beat of his own drummer. But, uh, um, you know, issues he had today are, are basically sort of legal now.
2: It's a good point. Mike Dettiglia on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest what? Yeah, I mean, they drafted Russell Erksleben. With the 11th pick in the first round. I mean, Archie Manning needed like 97 different things to try to win after however long he had seven years in New Orleans. And they went with a punter, which everybody had a landline. Can you imagine once... (coughs) Can you imagine Archie's reaction, Mike?
0: Well, see, that was forced on by the owner. Uh, John Mecum Jr. at that time who had the team, you know, he was a guy from Texas. had Texas ties, and he wanted Russell. And he thought he could be a dual guy, uh, be a place kicker and punter. And so that's kind of the, the backdrop of that story. There were a lot of people with the Saints because offensively they were a really good team in the late 70s. Well, with Archie and Chuck Muncie and Galbraith,
2: Muncie,
0: West Chandler, Ike Harris, Henry Childs. Defensively, they needed a ton of help, and they passed on. That scouting department really wanted Jerry Robinson, who was an outside linebacker with UCLA, and he had a really long career in the NFL, Most most of those years in Philadelphia. As a starter. And uh, that's who the scouting department wanted. Was Jerry Robinson. Uh, but. <laughs> it turned out to be Russell. Because when the boss say that's who you're going to pick. That's who you end up picking.
2: Uh, Russell Erksleben. A punter out of Texas Tech. First pick. I'm sorry. 11th pick. First round. NFL draft. 1979. New Orleans Saints. So Mike. Talk about how, how it's changed. You've been doing this. I think since the mid eighties. Uh, but you can correct me on that. How has scouting and putting together, you know, your draft analysis, talk about just how much it's changed from the eighties until today.
0: For me, it hasn't changed a heck of a lot. Um, I don't fall for all these individual workout situations. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make. um, Jim Finks gave me some advice that I've always sort of remembered um he had told me, never fall in love with the athlete, fall in love with the football player he said they got a lot of people out there that don't know the difference, and now it's even more. They got people today who do this you know back then, you sort of knew everybody who did it uh for his evaluation of players now today. Uh, with all these podcasts and everything else, you really don't you don't know and, and exactly kind of what they're doing, evaluating. But it's the same mistakes today that it was back then. There are probably five, maybe six players in every draft class. No matter who picks them, uh, they're going to end up being stars, and their production is going to be the same. Uh, the rest of the guys, a lot of it has to do with fit how well they fit a system, how well they fit a team, everything else. And then the unknown is still the unknown. What does getting now, you do have name, image, likeness today, but they don't pay like they do in the NFL. Uh, What does getting paid and being famous do to your work ethic and your focus and your concentration that that's still the biggest question mark injuries are going to happen and it does affect players long term and short term i should say also but uh, i think the same issues you had back then in the mid 80s you have today it it is no more bill walsh told me this years ago he won the pete rosell award here and he told me the drafts no more than an educated guess And he's right.
2: So with all the, with the miss rate in the first round, how does Mike Dettelier look at it? You, you you know, should you trade back more often than not? Should you, Hey, go get the best player available.
0: I'm a big believer in this. The more picks, the better. Okay. You have a better chance uh, at hitting with more picks. Um, But in some years, things just sort of fall the way your scouting department has it rated. Because what I've seen happen a lot in the NFL, and it's not talked about, but it does occur, you have a strong-headed head coach come in and redo your entire scouting department's board. I want this guy, and I want that guy, and I want this guy, and that's just the way it is. And he's maybe won Super Bowls or he's been very successful, and he's got the chalk in his hand. Uh, That's an old Hank Stram line, but it's true. Uh, You know, who has the power at the end? Who has that final say? And they got some GMs that have the money background that might tell you Uh, yeah, I have the power, I'm the guy at the end, but they're influenced by the head coach. And there are still some teams that have ownership uh, that you've got some owners say, this is who I want. (laughs) So, again, that part of the game has not changed, has not changed much. Uh, The scouting, they do different things to look at it. They have... You know, back then it was looked at as data. Today, you know, you know, it's analytics. <laughs> but isn't it all the same? <laughs> isn't it all the same stuff? And you can get your mind clogged with with, with uh, way too much information. Um, it it is something that is always going to be a bit of a guess. Uh, but you know, you try to hedge that. Uh, with as much info as you can, and how well they fit on your team, I think is the biggest mystery chip uh, to be placed down. I have no doubt of that, because unless you have a real early pick, um, you know it's it's always going to be a little bit of a of a guess uh, on on how well. And again, now the the only difference is today. Man, with social media out there, you know, that, that that has played a part, too, into it. How well they involved with that. You know, you've got guys now, they they sometimes more concerned about their social media pages than they are about their play on the field.
2: That's a good point, Mike D'Atelier, joining we us. We didn't on the... have
0: that back in the 80s nah. you know, or mid-90s, uh, you know, whatever. It, it's a, just a different world to look at it. And the one thing I do with scouting is you know, and I don't get a chance to talk to every one of the players is how much does football mean to you? Do you like the game or do you love it? There's a difference, yes, sometimes you have people immensely gifted uh who like the game but don't really love it, <clears throat> and you got other guys that maybe their talent isn't as good, but man, they love the game and they would play for a lot less money. Uh, the, but they love That's it. A good point. And Mike they D. absolutely love the game, but Bo, it's to figure it out. You know, it, All right, well, let me
2: ask you this, Mike, speaking of that, great point. The number four pick in the NFL draft, Indianapolis Colts, Mike is the general manager. Do you go for the sure thing in Lamar Jackson? Or the, oh, I hope we can develop a guy who wasn't really that good in college in Anthony Richardson.
0: I've said this for a long time <laughs> that if you have a shot at Lamar Jackson, you, you got to go that route. He's proven what he can do. Uh, I have no idea about Will Levitt's or Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud. I feel more strongly about the one in the five guy, I feel much stronger about Bryce Young and Hinden Hooker, who I think will be a first round pick also, than I do about the other three. Uh just if you've watched them, it's it's all sort of flawed in some way or another. With Richardson great athlete, and I think he really wants to succeed and he's he really is dedicated now, again, you see his accuracy skills and his touch are not there. Can you get that better? And how much better? With Will Levitt's, uh, Archie and I talked about this last night. He did sports talk with me that I thought of the Manning camp, he was the most impressive quarterback there. Didn't you? But if you watched him in the games, some, it, it, it never equated. Uh, He had moments where he did not look good. He missed open receivers. His reads weren't quite correct. Can you get that part corrected? With C.J. Stroud, you see the accuracy skills and touch, and I think he's a good leader. He's a very low-key guy, doesn't say much, was not used much as a runner. They kept him in the pocket, though I thought he was so effective, you know, using his legs against Georgia. Well, he had them. I mean, you know, their defense let him down in that game. But, uh, again, the big moments for him haven't been there at Ohio State. He had the big moments twice against Michigan. Didn't happen. Uh, So, man, uh, because you can't blame him for the Georgia loss. You no, know, their defense lost that game. No, late. he was wasn't fabulous. C.J. Stroud, he he was terrific. It's the best game I've ever seen him play. No doubt. But I I haven't watched Bryce and watched Hooker. I'm I'm much more sold on them now. Again, with Hooker, you are dealing with the knee injury, and how quickly he can come back from that. With Bryce, you understand the size. He's he's an outlier when you look at it. He you know he's five ten and a half whatever. And you have to be prepared for that, that man, you know you've got guys at this next level that could could take him out for a while and but he is sort of the new age version of Fran Tarkenton, in that I think he he you know he's gonna make some plays very few guys can make, and I've seen it from guys like Ken Stabler and Joe Montana and Steve Young and Drew Brees has the ability to put the ball between arms and hands like very few guys can. Man, he's throwing it through the trees. He's getting it there. Uh, It's just remarkable to watch him throw a football. And he's throwing it before guys are taking a break and a cut. Uh, See, that's the one thing with C.J., uh, that that receiver is well into that break-and-cut before he throws it. Can he develop some of that other touch uh, of that? So it, it's all a matter of where you end up. Who ends up being your head coach and your quarterback coach is going to be paramount for all five players, but in particular with C.J., with Anthony Richardson, and with Will Levis because they're still – Work to be done on that overall game. I think you see much more of the finished product with Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker.
2: Yeah, can you imagine if Hendon Hooker ends up being the best quarterback in this draft? It wouldn't
0: surprise me. Me neither. Man, listen, he came to Manning. He had uh, had a. Um, he had been involved with a little incident where he had two teeth that had got knocked out. And he wasn't even supposed to be there. The doctors at Tennessee told him, don't come, don't go to Manning. You're rested for four or five days, but you don't need to go there. He was, I'm going. <laughs> uh, he showed up. He was great in the classroom. He was terrific in these interviews. Uh, he threw the football, not a ton, but he threw it some. And you could tell he had been scuffed in life. Things had worked out for him at Virginia Tech. But he, natural leader, great accuracy skills, touch. His mechanics was so good throwing the football. Uh, and it came out of there real fast, real quick. Uh, and I can say the same thing for Bryce. He, we we watched from a golf cart and he was throwing the receivers he had never thrown to before. The ball touched the ground one time in two dozen throws, only because the receiver dropped it. He's throwing two receivers from LSU, Tulane, Nichols State, Southeastern, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. It's not his Alabama receivers, it's, You know, receivers from somewhere else. It, it was remarkable to watch him throw it because you rarely see that. Uh, them have a rapport with receivers they've never thrown to. And he was so good at it. Where the other guys, you know, and watching Will and Anthony, now well, Stroud didn't show up for Manning, but um, the other guys, man, they were wildly erratic. Uh, for every one good throw or two good throws, that was a bad one. Uh, you know, just the timing and touch wasn't there because they hadn't, you know, really worked with them. But, man, to watch Bryson Hooker do it was really impressive, and it carried over to the to the regular season. Right, You watched Tennessee play, and you watched Alabama play. For well, most people, they couldn't tell you who the receivers were at Alabama this year.
2: Right. That's true. All right.
0: Well, uh,
2: Lamar, if you had to call I know this could change. I've got a couple of minutes. If you had to call it today, Lamar Jackson to...
0: Man, uh, his best deal is in Baltimore. You know, his best deal is there. Uh, If I'm in Indianapolis, I would do whatever I had to do to get him because he gives you a finished product. You understand that he, because of his style of play, he may have some downtime. But, you know, (laughs) um, I I would go that route. He, He gives me the best chance to win if I'm the Colts. He gives me the best opportunity to win and i would i would do that instead of using that fourth pick or whatever Uh, because basically when you look at it and having to give up that pick and another pick you were going to pick a quarterback with the fourth overall selection anyway you giving up just one extra pick and you get lamar jackson a guy who's won more games uh, from 25 before he was 25, than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL, and he's and he's won 74% of his games. Strong. Isn't this isn't this game all about winning? Okay, he hasn't won big in the playoffs, but isn't this all about winning? When when is the other young quarterbacks gonna win? Like what Lamar, you can win today with him. Mm. Uh, don't tell me about potential. Potential means you haven't done it. Lamar's done it. And done it with a crew of receivers, most people would have a difficult time uh, telling you who his receivers are. Now, they can't tell you about Mark Andrews, who's really good, uh, tied in, really, really good. But, man, the receiving core, they haven't helped him much out there. And the guys they brought in, uh, if it's been Hollywood Brown or Bateman in round one, Bateman's been consistently inconsistent and hurt and Hollywood Brown. You know what he is. He's a blow to top off coverage guy. That short intermediate route, that's not what he's running. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely go Lamar. But, you know, his best offer on the table is Baltimore. Right. And that's why he had to He messed this up, too because he should have hired an agent and let him do the dirty work, let him cut this deal, and I think by now all this would have been settled. But, man, when other owners see that he turned down a deal that would have guaranteed him $44 million a year for the next three years, I think a lot of owners take a look at that and say, wait a minute. I understand i got to pay that, and he's turning that down? Um, I, do I want to get involved now with this? This seems to be, you know, it's sort of, well, Bobby has a comment about, you know, when rich people get divorced, he's like, you know, that's rich people's problems. I think for some owners, their deal is, hey, man, this is your problem. It's not. I don't want this to be my problem. But I've always felt one owner would get sort of out of the realm and do it. And if there's any owner that would be that way, it's Jimmy Ursay. <laughs> I mean, he, he's the ultimate space cadet as uh, far as owners are concerned. But, uh, man, that, that deal from Baltimore is pretty doggone good. He shouldn't be insulted by that, to be honest.
2: We'll leave it there. Mike Natilier, NFL insider, WWL Radio TV, New Orleans. Mike, have a good week. Thank you, buddy.
0: Thanks so much. Appreciate it, both.
2: Uh, We're talking uh, talent accumulation powered by Kinetic Staffing. Choose the winner among contract staffing firms. Kinetic. Kineticstaffing.com. Get the right people on the field. Find the talent you need to achieve excellence. Kineticstaffing.com. Legal, professional, technology, contract, and career positions. Powered by Kinetic Staffing and kineticstaffing.com hour number three coming up